all across this place this morning. I'd like to sing this, that, that chorus one more time. And wherever you're at, just, if you just close your eyes and just fully be here in this moment as, as God is, is in the room. His spirit is present in this place. And whatever it is that you are, are, are carrying with you this morning, whatever burden it is, whatever maybe decision you're facing, whatever uncertainty, the answer is here in this place, is in, in the presence of a holy God. And as we sing this to the Lord, don't just let it come from your mind or just from your head, but let it fully come out of your heart and sing it with your whole heart. Because the question is this morning is, do you love the Lord? Do you truly love your Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning? And if so, let it just come forth from your innermost being this morning as we lift our voices with this chorus. just thank you, God. I think of the birds of the air as, as they just, again, fill the air with singing. All of creation, Lord God, lifts its voice in worship and praise to you. And God, may our worship this morning truly be, just as we've sung, Lord God, be a sweet sound in your ear. God, may you inhabit the praises of your people today. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. 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 You may be seated. God's presence is good, amen? Well, we're going to, I mean, you may be picking up on this a little bit. We're going to do things a little different today. You're probably wondering, wow, Pastor Dell, you're up there very early. You must have a very long sermon in store for all of us. Um, I, I do, but I'm not going to preach that one today. Uh, you know, one of the things is, I think we are creatures of habit. Um, Sometimes uh, it's, it's a detriment, I think, to us, because we fall into like rhythms and we kind of, where we just go through motions, right? I'm sure most of you probably can't even remember how you got here this morning. Uh, you get in the car and you just start driving, right? And you can multitask, your mind can be on other things, and somehow you arrive where you're gonna go because you've done it a hundred other times. And my prayer is always when we come into God's house, when we gather together as God's church, as his people, that we do so fully engaged with our whole being. As we, we come together, as we worship together, as we lift our voices together in song, and as, as God's word goes forth, right, that our hearts would be prepared to receive and to hear uh, the truth of his word. And that's my prayer for all of us today. And, you know, on the, the back end of, of the sermon here today, we are going to take communion, which some of you are like, well, it's not the first Sunday. I know. We're getting crazy around here. <laughs> and in fact, we're going to do it next week again because we're crazy like that, right? But I don't, think, I don't think we can approach the table enough times as it's just that symbolic, you know, uh, the essence of, of really what happened on the cross and how God broke, you know, his son, the, his son, the body of Christ was broken and the blood of Christ was shed for your sins and for mine. And so, you know, we, we are going to enter into that time. And so we are going to, I want it to be a response today. And, you know, we are going to sing a few songs at the end. And I, my hope is that you will now be looking at your watch and we'll get you out of here on time. Don't worry, but just truly be fully here and fully engaged. All right. Is that a deal? Yeah. All right. 
Well, then we're in the right place. Well, uh, today is good back. it's good to be back with you. I was out last week with my family and I. As, as many of you know, we had a very close friend uh, pass away, so we were down in Savannah, Georgia. Got to be with them, and like I said, you know, they are, they are family to us. Uh, they welcomed Leanna and I in as family when uh, we were stationed there. We were newly married and um, no friends, didn't know anybody, and they just, they, they just came around us. And so it was great to be with them. I wish the circumstances were different, but as I'm sure all of us in this place can understand, sometimes God has plans that we just don't quite see fully at this, on this side of eternity. But that's where our trust and that's where our faith and that's where our hope of being reunited one day with our loved ones who knew the Lord, amen? And I'm sure a lot of you here in this place uh, hold on to that as well. Because um, sometimes things in life don't, don't make sense, do they? You know, as we sat there and uh, looked at this family and the, the children, you know, left, and you're like, God, what, how is this better, you know, without their mother here? But again, you get to those places and you have to come back to that, that fact that God is God, right? I know we always say God is good all the time and all that, but I like to take that oh wow and just say, you know what, God is God. I am not. And so I surrender to that and know that he has that family exactly where they need to be, and he's caring for them deeper and better than I could ever imagine. And as I was sharing, my, my buddy, uh, you know, the husband, we, we hung out one night, the kids went off with the grandparents, and I went over and Leanna let me go while she uh, managed the kids at the hotel. And um, we, we stayed up to like five o'clock in the morning talking. And, and as I was just hearing him share into some of his pain, um, it struck me and I shared it with him. And I, I, you know, I wanna try to articulate it again today because I don't know if I fully put it all together, but something along the lines of, you know, when we lose somebody like that, in this case, his wife, and somebody who we love and we cherish so deeply, the level of that pain is a reflection of the depth of love that we had for that person. The deeper you feel that, the harder that is. And, and you know, I was, I was explaining that to him, like in those moments, and it's probably not gonna be now because he was just in the busyness of you know, going through, getting all the stuff done, the funeral and everything else. But when it's, things quiet down, or you know, there's that point where his 11-year-old son is, uh, is crying you know, for his mom, you know, and I said, in those moments, when you're experiencing that, I want you to, to come back to that place that that's just a reflection of how much you loved and how well you loved Ashley, your wife, his mother. And, you know, today we are, we are in a series, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be preaching. We're preaching on love, you know, loving God and others. And, you know, I just, I just saw it on display. And the love he had is he cared for her for three years, you know, in her state. Never, never complaining, never once, you know, saying anything, just, just serving and loving his wife to the very, he was with her in her last breath. And I stop and I think, and as I think about God, and, and, and as we, again, we will take communion together and what that means, but how his love was put on display for all of us, for the world to see. And to think about the pain as, as Jesus, again, hung on that cross Again, as his father, for the first time, he knew separation from his heavenly father. As, as the heavenly father looked away, as our sin was placed on him, and the depth of pain that must have been felt in that moment because of the love he had for his son, Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm just struck in awe that he would, he would send his son himself, God in the flesh, his son, Jesus, he would send him, not because Jesus was guilty of anything, but because I was guilty. Because I was guilty. I am guilty. <laughs> but he sent his son, and he went through that pain. And again, because why? That was a reflection of the depth of love he has for me and for you. And so we are, again, we are walking through our values, as you see around this room. And today, we are talking about this value, this deep value of, of love. And, you know, we are, this, this series, it's, it's entitled, again, not this is how we do it, but this is why we do what we do, right? And today, I want that picture fully in front of us of Jesus and the price paid on the cross for our sins, because, again, that's why we do what we do, <laughs> 
Why do we go to loss? Why do we go into uncomfortable places or uncomfortable conversations or even hostile places? It's because of the depth of love that was put on display for us. How much our Father loves us, our Creator loves us. And so last week, if you were here, um, Pastor Santiago preached a message. And again, you know, we always say love, live, give, go, but we started sort of at the end. But I think it was also important because we needed to start there because I think it's one of the places that we have to grow the most, that I have to grow the most too. We have to go. (laughs) And I'm not talking about going to the other side of the world. I'm just talking about going across the aisle at work or or going across the street in your neighborhood or going next door or going, you know, uh, taking a couple extra moments at the checkout at the grocery store. That's the going I'm talking about. Being willing to enter into a conversation where you may not get the best response, but again, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. And so we are spending time on these values and talking about the why we do what we do. And again, as I say often in this church, and my prayer and my hope for you in this church is that we don't just do lip service to these four things, but we want to live them, right? Because if we don't live them, We can talk love all day. We can talk about going all day. We can even send our money to send somebody else to go. Right? Because that's easier. (laughs) Frankly, you can even send a lot of money. But God is calling each of us, right, where we are, to go, to reach the lost. And so today, again, we are going to we're going to hone in on this, 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 this uh, principle, this value of, of what it is to love and how that really fits into everything. Again, if you're, if you're thinking like me, the, the, the topic of love is so broad and so vast, we could probably run a three-month series just on love, right? Because there's so many aspects to love, so many kinds of love, and you know how love plays out and, and what that looks like. And so I, I'm really going to try to focus here today in this vein of what does real love or what should real love look like, okay? What does real love or what should real love look like? You know, today there, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but um, I think it's, I don't think actually, I don't think many of you know, but I'm a a Detroit Lions fan. Come on. We're playing the, you know, the, the NFC champion. I have to say something. I have to incorporate this into my sermon. So just go with me, all right? Actually, it looks like most of America is pulling for the Lions, fine, you know, because everybody feels so sorry for us. <laughs> but listen, I, you know, but they've been such a great, you know, because I follow every news story, every feed, and I, I find out all the stuff behind, you know, kind of the, which is a lot of people on the surface. And I'll tell you about this team is, you know, there are so, there's some great talent on the team, but it's not like your big name superstar players. But everybody you talk to, even the most talented ones, what they talk about, and it's this thread that I found throughout, honestly, is, is love. They, they literally, they're like a family. They love each other. They love the guys next to them, and they're willing to go to the wall, to the mat, whatever it is, go through the wall for that person. And as you listen to them talk, you know, it's so many times they, they cast the spotlight on someone else on the team, not themselves, and I love that. I love that about this team. It's different than anything I've seen before because they just, they're, they're there for the person next to them, you know? Much like, you know, I've shared it again. But, you know, I was in the military, and, and that idea of going to war together, when you, you go somewhere together like that, you know, there's uh, the movie Band of Brothers. It's a book, too. And, but it's a great, great picture, and you would watch. My uh, son Noah and I were watching it for, for a little bit, and just seeing those guys, it, they do a really good job depicting. Again, I know it's a movie, and I can't even imagine what the fullness of, of those experiences would have been. But you still get the essence. Like, these guys literally would die for each other. That's another picture to me of, of love, you know? And I, you know, I deployed to Iraq, and I've been to Afghanistan, and all those kinds of places, never kicking down doors or anything like that, but still, in, in, in harm's way, you would say. But, and there is just something about the bond that is formed and it comes down to this, when we are on mission together, right? When we are on mission together, because the reality is, before we hit the ground, everybody's figuring out, and we're being instructed over and over at every level, everybody understands what the mission is and what their part is in it. 
and they're trusting the person next to them to do their part while they do their part. And if we all do our part together and do it right and do it well, then we succeed. Right? And in the process of being on mission together, again, it is, it is creating this bond. It is creating this love before one another as you move forward. In the early church, when we look in the book of Acts especially, we see that same bond. Do you want to know why? <laughs> I've given you the answer. Because they were on mission together. You want to talk about in harm's way. <laughs> the early church was standing daily in harm's way. To pursue Christ and to pursue unity in the body of Christ meant that your life was being put on the line. That today may be the day that, I, that this body gives up its last breath for the simple fact of professing Christ Lord, as Lord and Savior. And so they were, on mission today, they were on mission together. And because of that, that bond was created. That love was strong as, as Jesus was central to them. So what does love look like? Again, we talk about love a lot, don't we? Right? I love pizza. <laughs> I love my car. I love my job. I love my dog. I love my wife. Right? Not in that order. Thank you. <laughs> you just saved me a bunch of heartache. Thank you, Denise. <laughs> Whew, that was close. I was going from small to big. That's what I had. That was it. <laughs> Put my shovel away and let's keep going. <laughs> Love it. Four of you got that. What we talk about love a lot, don't we? We do talk about it a lot. But again, what does it actually look like? Because we can do lip service to love all day long, right? We can say I love you. We can do all these things. But until there's action, right? Show me that you love me. Show me that you love me. Make it inconvenient for yourself at some point, an inconvenience in your love for me. If we were all given the opportunity to look deeply, again, into our lives today, not just some of it, but even the deep moments. Actually, let, let's put it this way. Imagine if we all got to look into your life today. A few of you just started sweating profusely. We looked into the deep moments, like all of it, not just the deep, even the deep parts, but what about like the, 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 the mundane or the day in and day out? Imagine you had like this little, little drone, you know, that kind of followed you throughout your day and your week. Every moment, everything you say, everything you don't say, everything you do, everything you don't do. And all of us at home, we could sit down and kick our feet up and watch your life on display. Now, imagine if we were doing that, as weird and awkward as that might be, but we are sitting there watching your life play out. But imagine then we hit the mute button. Have you ever done that like in a scary movie and you kind of mute it and it just sort of the music's gone and it's not scary anymore? But imagine if we're, we're, we're doing that, that, that scenario's happening and we're watching your life play out, but we hit the mute button, there's no more dialogue, there's no more music. Is the life that we can see or we would observe, is it a life of love and action? If we simply watched what you were doing without hearing what you're saying, would we see love being played out? And if, if you would say yes to that, then I, I, would, I, would want, I want you to think about for a moment, literally think, I want you to think, what actions would you be doing? What, what would that look like? What would love look like played out in action, Right? And another question along, like the, along those lines is, is what, what would be the object of your affection in your actions, right? Maybe it's making dinner for, for your family or something like that. Maybe you push somebody out of the way of a, a car and, and you, know, you take that hit. I, what, what would that look like and what would be the focus of our affection? You see, I think we all know and, and we talk about this often, but one of the best places, obviously, that we can go, for an example, is to Jesus himself, right? As Jesus walked this earth, I think we, we, we go there and, and we, we look at his life and how he lived. Not just what he said. Because <laughs> remember, this is God. I mean, talk about power in words. He literally stopped a storm, so his words were powerful. But his actions and how they spoke. You know, I just I run through... 
You know, as he stopped in that crowd, as, as the woman with the issue of blood, right, reached out. And he took time while the, the guard, the centurion's daughter died, though he would raise her back to life, he took time to, to minister. You would see that action of him loving that outcast. Perhaps it was, you know, Lazarus, and maybe you didn't even hear the words, but you saw this dead man come to life. You know, maybe it's, 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 it's just it's being with the sinners at a table, that the people that he's not supposed to hang with, but he's eating with them. Or ultimately, I'm sure all of us, are, our mind might go to the cross. His actions, love in action. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. I want to read uh, verses 3 through 11 as, as we dig into to the Word of God this morning. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 11, and I'm going to uh, be reading out the New Living Translation this morning. And again, I encourage you, if you're here today, and, and you know, if, if you don't really know Bible translations, um, if you struggle sometimes, I, I love the New Living, especially for devotionals and stuff like that. It's, it's just, it was written for children, actually. Um, and, and so it's just beautiful how they sometimes pull it out. So I, I, I read it in this translation. I, I liked how it read, so um, it should be up on the screen, so please follow along. Philippians 2, being in verse 3, it says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of ourselves, others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your interests, but take an interest in others too. Verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. <laughs> that's, that's Jesus humbling himself as being born as you and me. <laughs> When he appeared in human form, in verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Again, verse 9, there's the word therefore, right? All of that stuff we just read, therefore, now it's going on, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you, God, for every person here in this place. I thank you for those that are watching online. And God, I pray truly in this moment, Lord, our hearts would be open to receive your word. God, let it, let it do what only it can do, that precision, uh, Father God, of, of, of like the scalpel and how it's used, Lord, in surgery. Let that happen, Lord, in our hearts this morning as we are challenged and as we are changed by your word, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen, amen. So we see here again very clearly, as Jesus again laid down everything he had to enter earth and to enter the history of mankind. And, you know, it tells us there in verse 5, it says that we are to have that same attitude. We're supposed to lay down everything, thinking of ourselves as less, Right? We, we were supposed to be humble as Jesus was. Humble to the point, as he was, as we know, he was humble to the point of obedience, even as it led him to death. That's still staggering to me <laughs> to think about. As we, just, we stress and we pray and we think about, Lord, show me your will. And if there's any kind of resistance or any kind of challenge, then God, that can't be your will. <laughs> right? But the reality is, is Jesus was perfect in every way even in his obedience, even following the Father's will, and that perfection led him to a cross. So understanding as, as again, we want to walk as Jesus walked, we need to understand that the destination may not be the most comfortable prior to us being in eternity with him. You see, as we, we look at the scripture and as we look at Jesus, we can see what, what is God's love for us? What is the standard, so to speak, of what love should be? You see, God is love. God is love. Not he possesses love, but he is love. Right? And that love is seen most clearly in, in, in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. As Jesus laid there, arms out, exposed, dying a criminal's death, that was the act 
you know, as God showed and demonstrated his greatest love for his people. You see, Jesus, again, willingly gave himself up to death. Why? So that God could be worshipped. It's so that we could then enter into the very presence of God so that we not only just lift our voices and sing, but we can enter into God's very presence. You see, we as a church, but also church, the church in general, usually does a pretty good job of talking about Jesus' incarnation, his coming in the flesh and the bone, right? As well as even the crucifixion, his death on the cross. We, we talk about that often, and we should talk about that often. And that is actually what we call the gospel, right? The gospel message, the good news. Like this is what Jesus did. And we will continue to do that. But I think where sometimes we fall a little short, and what's equally as important but doesn't receive quite the attention, maybe, is what was the motivation behind what he did? What was the motivation behind what he did? Why would Almighty God, our Creator, take on human form to come to earth to die for what? Perfect people? Beautiful people? <laughs> for sinners? For criminals, right? For the worst? We were all guilty, right? Why would he do such a thing? And the answer is in a simple four-letter word that we've already mentioned, and that's love. That's love. God, again, didn't just love. He is love. His very nature, listen to this, his very nature would not allow him to sit idly by and watch his creation destroy itself. even though it was completely deserving of it, wasn't it? Adam and Eve made a choice, didn't they? And we all are bearing those consequences. You and I make choices all the time. And I know none of you here probably do this, but I know for me, when I make those bad choices and I get myself in those circumstances, then I'm crying out to God. God, why? And even though I'm not deserving in his love and in his mercy and in his goodness and in his kindness, he comes and he lifts me up once again, right? See, that's the very nature of love that we witnessed and we witness in Christ Jesus that compelled him to action, to step down to the, to lowly, into lowly humanity dwell with us, and ultimately lay his life down for us, not because he somehow needed us, but because we desperately needed him. I may hurt some people's feelings here, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and roll forward anyway. Um, you know, there's a, there's a song, actually, it hurts my feelings too, because there's a song, it's called What a Beautiful Name, right? I don't know if you've heard this song. I love the song, but there's a line in this song, <laughs> and it's, it's one of the reasons why we don't sing it here. It's, it's just this line, I wish, they, I wish they would have left it out, because everything else is beautiful and theologically well you know, written. But there's a line that says this. It says, you didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down, right? And this is where you have to be careful with, with even worship songs you listen to and things like that. And if you wonder why, you don't hear some of make mainstream worship songs, maybe, like, why don't we sing this or that? It's because, you know, honestly, and that's a credit where Luke and, you know, the decisions we've talked through this through, and we just, if there's some things that are not just sound there, we're not going to sing that here. And in this case, that's what it is. And it, it bothers me because it's like, you didn't want heaven without us. It, it sounds almost like, again, like, God, you wouldn't have been complete if you didn't have us up there, you know, kind of holding it down for you and having a good time, Right? And now, I, me and Leanna talk about this all the time because we like this song. I'm like, I could have written a better line. <laughs> and so my line would have been, check this out, and maybe you can push this up the channels at some point, but it's, it's this. You could have you had heaven without us. <laughs> you would have been fine. You wouldn't have missed a beat. You wouldn't have cried yourself to sleep or anything. You could have had that. <laughs> but instead, you brought heaven down, right? That would have been a better choice of words. But again, understanding that, again, God didn't need us. There wasn't something missing in his life. <laughs> but because of who he is and his, that he is love, 
he sent his son. The clearest depiction of God's loving motivation, I'm not even sure if it's, maybe it's going to be on the screen, but probably a lot of us don't need it, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's not like he had a plethora of them. He gave his only son. You see, the love of God, it translates into action. It translates into action. That's what we saw as Jesus came to earth was God's love in motion. It motivated God to take on human nature and die on the cross. And here it is. It should also motivate us to action. Remember, last week, that's what we're talking about, going, right? The more that we focus in and we spend time with God, the more time that we, we spend just experiencing the love of God in our lives and how much he loves us, that becomes the motivation. That becomes the thing that pushes us forward to go. Right? Sometimes in my mind, I can sit there and I see myself like I'm trying to work myself up. Like I want to go talk to this or I want to do this. But the reality is, is when I'm walking close to the Lord, when I'm walking in sync and, and, and understanding the fullness of his love for me, it's like I got to tell somebody. Yeah? We have to tell somebody. <laughs> we have to go because, again, it's just overwhelming, right? As you, the, to use the kind of biblical image, you know, our cup runneth over, right? The reality is, is, is a lot of our cups are like barely full, <laughs> We have to like slosh it all around to get anything to spill out. But if we fill up on the presence of God and God's love for us, that begins to overflow and it becomes much easier to go out. You see, just like Jesus, when he walked the earth, our lives are not our own, but instead they are to be surrendered to the Father in heaven. Obedience. How many love obedience? How many love to obey? Yeah? It's just not in our nature, is it? <laughs> it's, it's a surrender, but God calls us to it. In Galatians 2.20, here it is. I have been crucified with Christ. Here it is. It is no longer I that live, right? But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who what? Loved me and gave himself for me. You know what that is? You know that's what it is in one word? It's called transformation. Because that doesn't make any sense to us just without God involved, right? You know, we want all the benefits of that surrender. We want all the benefits of God saving us and taking us out of that, that, that muck that we were in of sin. We love that. But then when, when God is calling us to do something, that's, that's the part we struggle with. That's where the wires get crossed a little bit. Like, I don't, are you, are you sure? I'm not sure you're saying that right now. Right? But God is wanting to transform us. It's, it's, it's a life of transformation. You know, Jesus, again, he perfectly demonstrated his love for both his heavenly father and for others, not just by what he said, but by what he did. And that is what we have on the wall. That's, that's, that's the first one over there. It's, it's love God and others. Tom, you picked a good spot today. Everybody's staring at you. But it's right, right there on the wall. Love God and others. And that's what we want to do. That's, that's not just what we want to do. That's who we want to be. And let me just say this. I want, to, let me, I want to encourage you. Like We're doing a lot of this well. Let me just tell you that already. I can't tell you. you know, when you see me run out you know, the secret back cave to get to the front so I can talk to people as they leave. And whenever I talk to new people, the, the most common thread is how welcoming, how loving, how warm this place is. Not temperature, but the people. You guys are loving, in a lot of ways, really well here. My hope, though, and I don't know, I have no way to do this unless you want to dime yourself out, is that Monday through Saturday, it's the same thing. That you're loving others well, right? And I think you are. I think a lot of you are. So we see Jesus, and we see clearly, again, by looking at his life, what God's standard of love is You know, these, the scripture as we go into the word of God, and this is why it's so important to spend time in the word, to, to be there and to, 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 to linger there, if you will, is because that, this is our little drone, right? <laughs> into Jesus' life. We can see what Jesus did. 
We can see how he walked the earth. We can see the, even the very character of our creator God. And as we see the amount of love and how he loves us so well and so perfectly, what does that do? It, it, it creates in us a response of love because we were first loved. And so again, our value here to love God and others. Now, let's look in there and I, the, the scripture right underneath there. We're going to touch on that here just now. So love God and others. Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to start just a little before what's on the wall over there. But 22 verse 34 it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Again, time after time after time, they are trying to trip Jesus up. The religious leaders of the time, the ones who were leading others, the ones that should have been more than anybody able to spot the Messiah when he showed up, were missing it to the point where they were trying to, to you know, catch Jesus. They would, say, they would sit around and come up with these plans and say stuff to try to get Jesus to somehow misspeak himself or say something crazy. And so that's kind of the setting right now. And so there's this series of these. And so now it's, again, the Pharisees heard. And so they gathered together. And here's what they did. And one of them, a lawyer, sorry, John, bad reputation. Just kidding. John's a good one. We like you. <laughs> but a lawyer, you know, he asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And again, they were not asking because they didn't know. They're trying to trip him up to select one of the commandments to say, then say, well, all the rest we are not, you know? That's, that's what they're trying to do. And Jesus, again, he's Jesus, right? <laughs> he's Jesus. He's got it. So he says, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. I want you to Put that in your mind right there. This is the great and first commandment. And a second, so we see an order here, right? The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so we're going to kind of break that down for one, just, just a few minutes here. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. So loving God, right? Verse 37 and 38, you shall love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So what does he say? Heart, soul, and mind. What is he saying? He's saying with everything that you are. Right? Everything that you are, you are to love God. Our whole being is to love God. Everything we do, our actions, are to love God. When we give, you know, Whatever it is, time, whether it's our, our, our resources, whatever it is, that's love to God, that we're loving God, right? That's what worship is. It's, it's loving God with everything that is within us. And when we do that, again, the question is, what is the object of our affection? You see, for some... And again, if we're being brutally honest with ourselves, it can come down a lot of times to the point where God has simply become a means to gain the treasure that we desire rather than making the relationship with God the treasure itself. If I do the right things, Lord, then this is what you owe me. Oh, I gave my tithes, I gave my money, I gave all this money to the church. God, why did I just lose my job? You didn't hold up your end of the bargain. We may never say those words out of our lips, but here, that's what we're thinking. Right? No, you don't, don't answer that. Just don't answer it. <laughs> just keep looking at me. Listen, I do the same thing. I, I, I do. I, if I don't watch my heart and watch my motive, it's just, and I, can I be honest? I hate it about myself. I hate that. What's, what's, my, what's my gain in this, right? What am I going to get? I mean, I'm a pastor, right? I'm a pastor. I've given my life in service to the Lord. Therefore, he owes me all good things, right? That's why we do it. Right, Daryl, for the... <laughs> no, it's not. And trust me, typically in this thing, it's, it's, it's way more. It's way more burden than, than the benefit, other than eternity. 
But why do we do it? Because I want to be obedient to what God's called me to. But to do it and to not expect anything in return, <laughs> because God has already, hasn't he already given everything? Is there more than Jesus that he could give me? Is, he, is there more than my salvation that he purchased for me? You see, church, I think what we fail to, to realize or maybe we miss at times is that it is only through learning to love God first that we can truly love others in the way that God defines love. We have to love God first. You know, I think when we come to the, to, to the Lord, and, and again, you know, I always use this picture of, of, of you know, I'll use myself, of, of, of like floating in the middle of the ocean, right? And there's only so much time that I can manage to keep myself afloat, right? Before, you know, I sink, before I'm just exhausted. I am unable to save myself. And imagine a ship comes along and imagine that, you know, they offer that, 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 that life preserver, right? They throw it to us. And they want to save us. <laughs> At that point, you'd have to probably be pretty foolish to not take that life preserver. Well, this looks like it's been used before. This isn't the color of life preserver I would like. You're not thinking that, are you? You're just going to grab hold because it's what's going to save your life. You love that life preserver. It could smell like, you know, 10-day-old fish, whatever it was. You're going to latch hold of that, right? Because you love it because it's saving you. But then you get on the boat and pretty soon, you know, maybe you drop it and you kind of forget maybe the purpose that it had. And I think sometimes with the Lord and with our walk with him, it's not that we, we stop loving him or that maybe, you know, um, we don't walk away, but, but we, we lose sight or we lose focus of, of, of the beauty of his salvation. And even when it comes to challenging times, I think that's when we can like, well, God, if you don't do this, I'm done. <laughs> it's like, do you remember floating in the middle of the ocean where you couldn't save yourself? And I think sometimes we have to be reminded what it is, again, to, to love God and, and that, that Christ saved us. And from that, only from that point, and this is where I believe we can miss it sometimes, is because the reality is, is you could go out here and you could share the gospel with five million people for the rest of your life and see them come to the Lord. But again, you, if you just do that as an action and somehow along the way you lose sight of how much you love the Lord... Like that relationship, that, it, it's all for naught. To love others well, we have to love the Lord. And that's why I believe it is the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then we can love others. The second is like, you shall love the neighbor as yourself. Remember, again, our standard is Jesus. As we look at his life, not always talking about, remember, it's not always about nice people, right? You can love nice people pretty well. One author writes it this way. He says, The narcissist loves only himself. The nationalist, nationalist loves only his tribe. The activist loves only his cause. The idealist loves only his thoughts. The humanist loves only his concept of humanity. The Christian loves the irritating person right in front of him. That, I didn't just say that to any of you right now, just so you know. <laughs> I love all of you equally. You see, we're church, we're not just to say we love people, but we should walk that out through our actions. I want to just briefly touch on this, and we're going we're gonna to move to a time of communion here shortly. Listen, um, anybody heard of Sister Antonia Brenner? Okay, we're all going to learn something today. Listen, 
She died a few years ago, and she was 86. After spending the final three decades of her life ministering to inmates at a notorious Mexican penitentiary called La Mesa, located in Tijuana. Listen to this. She was a twice-divorced mother of seven, turned prison angel, moved into a 10 by 10 foot cell in Tijuana's most notorious, this prison, this La Mesa, La Mesa, where she came to be known as La Mama by the prisoners whom she called her children. She spent her time mending broken lives, easing tensions and dispensing everything from toothbrushes to bail money. And it goes on to say that she was born Mary Clark. Listen to this, this is crazy. First, you got it right, she moved into the prison. Then uh, she, she was born Mary Clark in Los Angeles, 1926, to Irish immigrants. Her father grew wealthy running an office supply business, and the family counted Hollywood stars such as Cary Grant among their neighbors. She married and raised four children, or four daughters, three sons, while becoming uh, deeply involved in charity work. At, in 1977, after her children were grown and two marriages had ended in divorce, a source of sadness that she rarely talked about, Brenner gave away her expensive clothes. Again, so she grew up in... In, in, in California, in like, you know, Rodeo Drive, that whole setting, that was her setting. She got rid of, she gave him all her clothes, her belongings, left her Ventura apartment and moved to La, Mas, La Mesa Penitentiary and had delivered d donations in the past to the prison, each visit filling her with compassion. This is what she said, something happened to me when I saw men behind bars. When I left, I thought a lot about the men. When it was cold, I wondered if the men were warm. When it was raining, if they had shelter, Brenner told the Times in a 1982 interview, I wondered if they had medicine and how their families were doing. You know, when I returned to the prison to live, it, it felt as if I'd come home. Just a little bit more, the San Diego Tribune added this. With her small frame, sunny disposition, and heavily accented Spanish, she uh, delved fearlessly into a world riddled with poverty and violence. Once quelling a riot by walking into the darkened penitentiary, taking, taken over by armed and angry inmates. She urged guards to respect the, the petty thieves, rapists, murderers, drug traffickers in their custody, speaking out against beatings and torture of inmates. But she also reached out to those law and law enforcement, raising funds for their families of those killed in the line of duty. And listen to this. She was credited as once saying, I think prison freed me. You know, this is an amazing account of a person who, who was all in, loving people as Christ loved them. And, you know, it's something, it's, it, I was nervous to share that because some, some of us will just go like, well, that's, that's amazing. That's just, that person, I could never do that. Yes, you, you, you could. <laughs> that's the kind of love that's available. I've, I've mentioned this book, it's called With by Sky Jathani, and I, I want to read uh, an excerpt from this book, and, and again, we'll wrap up this, this message right now. But he says this, he writes this, he says, in this way, the life with God, again, he's talking about life as we walk in relationship with God, as we love God. This life with God posture begins and ends with love. God's love provokes us to treasure him, and in our treasuring, we discover the joyful truth that he also treasures us. Love is the beginning and not the end, and the end, sorry, beginning and the end, the origin and the culmination of our relationship with God, and along the way, it provokes wonder, illuminates discoveries, and ignites joy. And he lays out this beautiful cycle, right? And this, this is it. This, if you're taking notes, this is what you want to get. If you don't get it all right now, go back and watch or listen. But it's this. It starts with silence. It's, it's us just being in God's presence, just sitting in God's presence. Maybe you've read uh, the word or a devotional and, and, and during the day and you're sitting there and you're just in God's presence in silence and you just, you have a sense of God's love for you. And from that, he says it produces a, ah, right? Ah, a sense of wonder and awe because you begin to realize like how amazing your Savior is, how amazing God is. And from that produces a aha, it's a sense of discovery of who God is. And then from there is a ha-ha, which is a sense of joy, that you are fully in God's presence, that he's got you. And then guess what? The cycle starts all over again. You move back to that place of love and silence, to the sense of wonder and awe, to the sense of discovery, and to joy, love, wonder, discovery, joy, love, wonder, discovery, joy. Do you know that there are creatures, angelic, amazing creatures that go around the throne of God 
all of eternity saying this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. There's no bridge, there's no chorus, there's no verse two. They just do that for eternity. Why? It's because every time they pass by, they see a new facet of God. He's never ending. He's endless. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. And this, again, is what it looks like to love Jesus. And as we do so, we can then love others well. Amen? I call it all in, being all in. And that's what we want to be today, church, is all in. Would you bow your heads as we go before the Lord? Lord Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for this message. I thank you for this time that we've had. And God, I just pray right now for every person in this place, those watching online, God, that if there's areas in our life, if there's places, Lord, where we have missed it, and I'm sure there are, God, that we would just, again, surrender to you, that we would once again, Lord God, that you would rekindle that flame, Lord, of of what it is to love you as, as we recognize and we can see, Lord, the the depth of your love for us. Even while we were sinners, Lord, you died on the cross. You displayed your love. God, forgive us where we take you for granted. And God, challenge us, Lord God, where we don't lean in and rest enough in your love. And God, may that love for you, God, spur us, Lord, then, to love others well. First, Lord, and even in this, in this church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, maybe love one another well, and that, let that be, Lord, our testimony to the world around us. But God, I pray that it would even go further than that, as your word calls us to, is to love our neighbor, to love others, to love the unlovable. God, the way that you have and you continue to do, because you have a heart for them. God, may we, we have eyes to see, Lord, those that need the good news of the gospel. And if you're here this morning and you've never heard that, I want you to hear these words this morning, that God loves you. He loves you in your mess. (laughs) He loves you right where you're at. And all you have to do is look no further than the cross as he sent his son to make a way that you can be found again righteous before him, able to come into his presence. And if that's you today, I encourage you to tell somebody. Tell me, tell Pastor Santiago, tell an elder, tell somebody here. Tell them that, you know what, I, I, I want to know the love of Christ. And I, I asked him to come into my heart today. I repent of my sins and I acknowledge him as Lord and Savior of my life, that he died and rose again. And if you do, your life will be changed, I promise. God, we thank you for your love and your goodness this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.